people of the world, hello and welcome to the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. Tune into our weekly podcast each Friday, wherever you listen to your favorite programs or on this website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice as the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. To reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions, we're at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, and if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Also, stay tuned for details about our upcoming news and perspective show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. Glad to be back with you again on the Brothers Talk podcast, and we can't thank you enough for the continued support, for the messages, and for the comments, and even for your suggestions. Keep them coming, especially as we keep highlighting the relaunching Black Wall Street nationwide initiative and our positive Black business experience campaign with another example this week. As we're recording this, the 22nd episode, it's the week after the 4th of July. And this year it felt different to me, especially not just because of the coronavirus, although the fact that there were no fireworks or parades was one thing. But what made it different this year for me was the fact that for the first time in the nation, Juneteenth was actually a bigger story. So you had this curious situation where the Juneteenth holiday is supposed to be about our freedom from slavery, while at the same time the nation was being put on alert that 155 years later we're still not free. That's our topic for the week. But before we start, here again are co-hosts Scott and Norm. Hey, family. I hope you had a safe holiday and relaxing 4th of July weekend for what it's worth. Continue to support us. We appreciate it. And keep sending in your stories about your experiences with positive or negative with Black Spalding. Okay, fam. Just want to remind everybody out there, stay Black and love Black. Peace. All right. So here we are in the middle of this season of discussing the pros and cons of Juneteenth versus the nation's declaration of independence holiday. And it's interesting that because we had so many different concerns still going around the Black Lives Matter protest, that this year Juneteenth got a lot more attention, more attention than it's ever gotten And yet, as so many people were focused on the celebration that was the reason for Juneteenth, the truth is that the actual reason for Juneteenth really doesn't exist. That in this country, there's so much that makes us less than any other ethnic group that exists here, that it's like that is still a type of bondage that continues to keep us from being able to enjoy the freedoms that other groups enjoy. We've talked in the past about how people from other countries can come here and get assistance from the government when our own people who live here and who built this country are still denied opportunities to get access to capital, to mortgages, to education, to information even that would allow us to participate more fully. And we know the reason primarily is that they continually want us to be an underclass because so much of the nation's economy functions off the back of being able to keep us as an oppressed group. 
So what we really want to just spend some time talking about is what would freedom actually look like for us in this country? I agree with Rod. When I think about the 4th this year, actually, my family didn't celebrate the 4th. We decided that going forward, we're going to celebrate Juneteenth. Because when you think about the 4th of July, really, it's not for us. When you listen to the National Anthem, when you listen to all of the songs dedicated to the liberation of America, it's not about Black folks. So the 4th of July now, it just doesn't feel the same. It, we didn't we didn't attend any fireworks displays. We didn't we didn't barbecue any grill out. We didn't do anything. We're gonna focus on Juneteenth, and I hope that other Black folks also consider focusing on Juneteenth as the day that we were finally Black folks were finally liberated. Even though, like Rod said, we're still not free because to us, free is not free. Freedom is not free. Well, uh, in my opinion, the only thing we should be celebrating is really our ancestors. We should actually have a day and have a and dedicate a day which we can honest, honor them for what they went through, what they persevered through to get us to this point. That's the only thing we should be celebrating. Um, if, if anything, we should use these other holidays to call out the hypocrisy that this country was built on and still celebrates. And one of the other things that just happened this week was the NFL announced that at the preseason games, they plan to play the Black National Anthem, you know, lift every voice and sing, in addition to the national anthem of the country. And you had a whole lot of white folks complaining about them not wanting to hear that, as well as saying they would boycott it. Matter of fact, Ted Cruz, of all people, the the no-account senator from Texas came out and said, there's only one national anthem. And if they're going to do that, why is there not going to be a national anthem for Hispanics and a national anthem for Chinese, et cetera? And so, you know, just totally tone deaf in the process. But what struck me as odd in hearing that is that this is a guy who is a United States senator and obviously has no idea that not only was Francis Scott Key a slaveholder, but that he also has a third verse that glorifies slavery in that same national anthem. Yeah, a guy like Ted Cruz, I don't know why they keep sticking the mic. What I do understand, why they keep sticking the microphone in front of his mouth. You know, this is a guy who 45 called his, his wife ugly and said that his dad helped plot to kill JFK. So we're not talking about a real somebody of substance. He's just a pretender. But that's the kind of person who get these uh, right-wing wackos all wild up. But when we talk about celebrating the fourth, I think about in terms of freedom, too, and free, free is not free. When you look at the kind of money that Oprah Winfrey has, and Oprah Winfrey, if you can remember some years ago, a couple of things happened to her. She went to some uh, shop, I can't recall the name, in New York, and they locked the door. They knew she was Oprah. They tried to pretend that they didn't know she was Oprah, and they locked the door. And at the same time, she was in Europe shopping in some exclusive shop for some purse, and the woman told her the one that she wanted, no, that's kind of expensive. Maybe you want this one. And she's like, B, I'm Oprah Winfrey. What do you mean I, that may be too expensive for me? So when you have people that have a, have a lot of money, like Oprah Winfrey and like Brian Gumbel said recently, uh, a week or so ago, that it doesn't matter about your accomplishments. It doesn't matter how much wealth you have. You're still basically not free. He's just saying you're still, they're still looking at you like, hey, 
you're black. We don't care what your accomplishments are. We don't care where you went to school at. We don't care how much money you have. We're going to treat you just like we treat all black folks. To me, that means you're really not a citizen of this country. And sometimes that's how I feel. I feel like I don't feel safe here. I don't feel my family is safe here. I don't feel that when people say, I love America, I'm an American and I should feel that I love America, but I don't feel that way because of the way that we've been treated and the way people continue to, to treat us. And you're right, because not only do we have to constantly be on our guard, but think about things like in this day and age, you still have black people getting reprimanded or fired or at the very least control for things like how they wear their hair that you don't have that happen with other groups, but all of a sudden with black people, you know, they have to determine what is an acceptable hairstyle. You know, you got those horrible stories of that coach who cut off the locks on this one black kid or the little girl who was expelled from school for coming to school with her, her hair in her natural state. And that even makes me think about some of the other types of voluntary enslavement that we have accepted, which is believing that only the European styles of makeup and hair and things like that are acceptable or beautiful or presentable. And so, you know, so that's the longer range effect that when even when we get past just the traditional and systemic and, and structural racism, that we still have a long way to go to unpack the kinds of indoctrination that we still hold on to because we still see the Europeans as somehow being superior in beauty and style to us, even though they constantly copy everything that we do. Yeah, you know, your, your story reminds me of a funny line that I like to use when I'm talking to uh, people regarding race. A racist will never ask you for your W-2. They don't care how much money you're making. That's not an issue. So you get, unfortunately, a lot of people believe that because you're successful in your occupation that you're kind of shielded from racism. And they really don't understand the correlation between the two. Well, that goes back to the LeBron James thing. You know, once he spoke out about racism, you had the people on Fox News telling him to shut up and dribble. Even with, with all his money and stature and fame, you know, probably the most famous athlete in the world now, they want to put clamps on him as to what boundaries he's allowed to speak on. And, you know, we could go back to, you mentioned Oprah. I remember back when Bill Cosby was trying to buy NBC. And, you know, at that time, he was like the most famous comedian and one of the richest people in the country. But he had literally no chance because of the idea that he was a black man. And at the same time, they changed the law so that Rupert Murdoch, who was an Australian, could come to this country and buy up Fox. It's that kind of enslavement that continues to this day. You know, as we talk, as we talk through this segment, I like for for people to wonder and think about. I actually thought about what does the Fourth of July really mean to you as an African American, as a Black American. Most of us, it means oh, it's a day off, it's a holiday. You got permission to grill and barbecue and drink and and celebrate. But are we thinking about why are we celebrating? What does Juneteenth mean to you? Because I hear a lot of people say, you know, I never heard of Juneteenth. I didn't hear about Juneteenth until about 30 years ago when I came to D.C. and they were celebrating Juneteenth in Baltimore and in Annapolis and, and all over the place. I never heard of Juneteenth. 
when I was living in Georgia. So a lot of people, even to this day, haven't heard of Juneteenth. So I'd like for you all to also send us your comments about what does the 4th of July mean to you? In terms of freedom and not being free, just think about it. Like what you just said, Noam, it's not about your pocketbook because there are communities where black people still can't live in. There are country clubs exclusively for white folks that black folks can't become members. So there are a lot of institutions that we're still basically shut out of. It's like the good old boys club that we can't participate and we can't become members simply because we're black. So that's not freedom. So when we look at the overall condition of black people in the country today, we know that in almost every state where there is a significant black population, that we are generally the most oppressed group, the most impoverished group, and the group that is the most incarcerated. And that is the kind of thing that really goes to say that those are the chains of enslavement that continue. We talked last week about the whole idea of reparations, where we understood that unlike other groups who had gotten reparations, including those who were spoken of in the Bible, is that they started out with something. We were the only group that was basically told, you're free today, but you don't have anything that you can take with you. And so we were supposed to start out from that point and go forward. And it's our supposed condition to celebrate the fact that they basically took us out of the formal enslavement, but then found ways to conditionally put us back into enslavement through things like the penal system, through things like red line districts, through things like discrimination, through things like segregation. And here we are in 2020 with the first time that the nation has decided to take a look at the status of where we are. And so until we can get that, we still have to recognize that while we can celebrate that our ancestors, as you said, Norm, did find out that they were no longer to be kept as chattel slaves, but we are still at a place where the remnants of that are still impacting us in a way that, as you said, Scott, freedom is not freedom to us. Also, there's a trend that seems to be developing now because all of this attention has been put on how Black folks have been treated on the country. And so people are also taking a look at what's happening with the American Indian. So right away, you're seeing some movement where the Washington Redskins are now, it's not, it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to change the names of the Washington Redskins. I saw with the Cleveland Indians, they're going to change their name. There are a couple of other sports or organizations that have Indian something that sacred to Indian in their name, American Indian in their name, and they're looking at changing that name. I don't want to say that they've hijacked this movement because there's been plenty done to the Indians, but it seems like the, the focus is already shifting to other groups. So you got something that's really tangible when you're changing the names from the Washington Redskins to something else or the Cleveland Indian or something else. But yet, thus far, I haven't seen anything tangible for black folks. And that's because we're not free. And that's the way they treat people who are not free. Yeah, well, one of the things, too, is we have to keep in mind that because they allowed themselves to celebrate a genocidal sexual sadist in Christopher Columbus, who never set foot on this continent, 
that he was the one who initially mislabeled the nation's first people here as Indian because right. they are not Indians. And so, as you said, Scott, they have certainly endured more hardships than probably anybody other than us. And the only thing that we have seen tangible to this point is the money that's coming out of like some of these companies that they are focused on setting up funds for reparations. So we just have to keep their feet to the fire. And and one of the things I did like about the Lakota Indians in South Dakota, when one of the most racist things other than using the N-word was for a president to go and order fireworks on sacred grounds of the, the native people there. Well, they actually had more of their signs out for Black Lives Matter. This is the Lakota tribes. And so I think they, in a sense, understand how much their struggle is intimately tied to us because one of the things that happened in the first place, the reason why we were brought here, was because they could not domesticate, if you will, the First Nation people. And so they have a sense of their needing to find common ground with us. But I agree with you that, once again, we have to make sure that we can't have diversions that take the eyes off the prize. As long as they're willing to continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement, then there's certainly nothing wrong with us working together. But it cannot be an us or them type mentality. Yeah, also, I saw an article, I didn't finish reading it, I got it. Google it again, where archaeologists have found evidence that they're calling them the original people, and they're saying that they were Black Aborigines in this country. They're trying to say now it's not Native American, and people have been saying for years that Africans were the original, were the original people of this country. Now there's evidence, but they're calling them Aborigines, so they want to kind of dilute the fact that African and Black people actually were the original people of this country. Yeah, and I think we even have to kind of even look at that. There was some discussion years ago about even that term about Aborigines because, you know, they used that term over in Australia. Right. And there was some concern about whether or not that was supposed to mean abnormal original people or something like that. But, uh, but I think it's clear to know that no matter where you look, we were as Africans the first people on this planet and every other ethnic group is descended out of us. And so I don't think that should be any secret that, because they show a lot of monuments and things throughout like Central America and some other areas of statues and things that show that our ancestors, distant ancestors, had navigated across the oceans and been here on this continent and established colonies and things like that. So that shouldn't be any surprise, but as you said, it's just a one more reason why whenever you get to a situation where the white man comes into the mix, it generally doesn't end well for whoever was there first, and that includes other white people. Yeah, and, and, and it definitely, when it comes down to, to black folks, I mean, when you start thinking about the true history, when, when you can't really control your own history, when you've been denied your whole history, your entire life, when you still got school system that's printing and teaching a false narrative about blacks and African American and African, when you got that kind of situation going on, you can't control it. You're not free. Like we said, we're not free. Freedom does not mean free. 
we really control very, very little in terms of every aspect of our lives. Of course, we control the mundane, day-to-day type things that we do. But, but other than that, when you look at the bigger picture, we're not really in control. And that's because we're not free. Right. I mean, think about things like the healthcare outcomes. You know, all those things are the results of substandard, subhuman treatment that we die earlier than any other group in this country. And this coronavirus accentuated that and accelerated it in a way that also brought it to the forefront of just how poor our healthcare outcomes are. And then you couple that with the fact that because of our unemployment rates, oftentimes we don't have the same level of health insurance, then we're just in a situation where we just see that there's a continuing enslavement that that keeps us at the bottom of the totem pole, even to the present day. And they do it away when you start talking about, about health care. If we really had true control over the health care system and, and our health, most of us would probably look at a preventative way, that, which would include a holistic approach, because that's what the ancestors did. You know, when you think about it, when you grew up, it was not that often that you went to the hospital or to the doctor, unless you were bleeding. And when I say bleeding, you need some stitches. You didn't go to the doctor. You know, if you had a headache, whatever the situation was, it was rare that you went to the doctor unless it was an emergency. It's because we took a holistic approach to, to healthcare. And all that has changed and it's devastating us in ways that it's not devastating other groups. We have, when, it, when you talk about the leading causes of death, top 10 leading causes of death every year, black folks lead each one of those top 10 categories. It, something's wrong with that picture. And that's happening to people who don't have control over the healthcare system and their own health. Yeah, and certainly the experimental aspects of it are just as devastating to us as a group. So that's why we certainly want to hear from all of you out there as to what does Juneteenth and what does the 4th of July mean to you, especially for you, our Black brothers and sisters. And now our positive Black business experience moment. I had a young sister from the islands who was out of work, asked me for a contractor referral for some electrical work she needed. She said she always just went to the phone book and usually ended up overpaying, but couldn't afford to do that right now. So I gave her the name of a friend and I told him her circumstance. He said he understood and he would do his best to work with her. He meets with her, gives her an estimate off his regular book so that he could give her a pretty substantial discount. She called me back up saying she wasn't sure about him because he wasn't giving her a formal estimate. I said, well, okay, well, he was trying to help you out. So she calls this white contractor who came in at twice the price and the job wasn't done correctly. And then she calls him again to tell me that. So I called my friend and told him, I said, you know, just updating on what the story was, you know, he said, you know what, I'll go by there and take a look just to see what was going on. I said, well, you really don't have to. He said, no, I'll go take a look. So he went by there while that white company was there. He looked at their work and he told them what they were doing wrong and even looked at the estimate and told them they were overcharging her. And he made him them uh, refund the money because he actually is a retired cop as well. And so she was so grateful that after that, you know, she paid him to finish the job and called me back to apologize. So it was one of those situations where, you know, he just decided to do her a solid because he just was, was a good guy like that. But she was basically going to end up probably paying two or three times as much for the work just because she didn't have the confidence in working with him in the first place, even though he was doing her a solid. But 
it was just that kind of story that we do look out for each other, that it's worth making sure that we tell those kinds of stories. Well, that's it for another edition of The Brothers Talk. We want to thank you again for taking the time out to be with us. Uh, Norm was having some difficulties with his microphone, so he was on the sidelines this week. But we look forward to him being back with us in full force next week. In the meantime, remember our relaunching Black Wall Street Nationwide initiative and buy black as much as you possibly can. Our businesses are struggling, so we definitely want to get into that more as, and as much as we possibly can. You remember, you can always follow us at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, The Brothers Talk, the Facebook group. And if you want to go long form, you can always hit us up, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. So thank you again for being with us. Stay safe out there. And remember, and always, as we say in parting, let's do better today because that's all we really have.